what a blessing that was to sing. For those of you who are indeed trusting the Lord with all your salvation, what a promise. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. If you would, please open your Bibles with me to the book of the Psalms. Today we're going to be looking at Psalm 145. Now notice the, the title of the psalm is David's Psalm of Praise. And that's our desire, is it not? To praise the Lord. And not with an outward show of religion, but in our heart before Him. Remember, beloved, the Lord looks upon the heart. And that's our desire this morning. Indeed, every day we praise and give thanks. Verse 2, it says there, Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Beloved, is this not the desire of our heart and soul before God? To honor Him by believing Him? And so therefore, because of the gift of God, we do love to worship Him. And this is seen throughout the psalm, that of praise unto the Lord. Remember that voice that came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye servants, and ye that fear Him, both small and great. And remember that new song of the redeemed in Revelation 5, 9. It says there, speaking of the redeemed, the Lord's purchased possession in, in Revelation 5, beginning in verse 9. It says, And they sang a new song. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, and tongue, and people, and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I know this, beloved. He's worthy of all our praise. Indeed, he's deserving of it. All praise and honor to the Lord of lords and the King of kings. You see, the essence of worship is praising him. And the Lord, he seeketh such to worship him in spirit and in truth. You see, believers cannot live without praying unto the Lord, for that's our very life breath. And we've seen this many times in our study of the Psalms. David says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear unto my cry. Hear my prayer, O God, give ear to the words of my mouth. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let me cry, let my cry come unto thee. Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications, in thy faithfulness answer me, and in thy righteousness. And we read in Psalm 145, verse 18, it says there, The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. And that's our prayer unto the Lord, is it not? Lord, save me. Save me, else I perish. And just as believers cannot live without praying, beloved, so too we cannot live without praising the Lord for all that He is and all that He has done. And this psalm sets forth the attributes of God, of all that He is and all that He has done, beloved. As David speaks here about the Lord's wonderful works of salvation in all that He is and all that He has done. And beloved, all that He has freely given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the apostle writing in Romans 8, God that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also, with, with open hand, beloved, freely give us all things? And so we see here David's determination, his resolve to praise the Lord. And David's a man after God's own heart, just, just a sinner saved by the grace of God. Look what he says there in verse 1. I will extol thee, my God, O king, now, by nature, we don't have a will to do that, not, not in the least. Because you see, the will, the will we're born with, beloved, is self-directed and downward. By nature, it's never Godward and upward. But thy people, O Lord, shall be made willing in the day of your power. 
And I will, by his grace, and you will, beloved, by his grace, by his power, exalt my Lord, my God, and my King. And I will bless the Lord, worship the Lord, and praise the Lord forever and ever. And that praise will never end. For the praise of the saints of God will be forever and ever. You see, our praise will be for eternity, beloved. Praising the Lord, singing worthy as the Lamb that was slain, and will praise the Lord here in this time state, every day. And when we leave this time state, in eternity we'll be praising the Lord, singing worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive all honor and glory. Now look at verse 2. Every day will I bless thee, for every day is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Every day, beloved. We remember what David said in Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And in this psalm, he says, Lord, I will praise thy name forever and ever. And God, our Heavenly Father, hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's Philippians 2, 9 to 11. And we remember his name, do we not? So many blessed portions of Scripture we could quote. Uh, we think about Matthew chapter 1, where that angel of the Lord came from the very throne room of God and told Joseph, call his name Jesus. Joshua, Savior, how come? For he shall save his people from their sins. Or just thinking about the Old Testament, we, we have that blessed portion in Isaiah chapter 9. If you turn there with me and look there. Isaiah chapter 9. Some of you already know what I'm going to read. <laughs> well, that's okay. We never tire of, of hearing the gospel in these verses. And for... For you and me, beloved, it's safe for me to repeat these things. Look what it says there in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This is one of my favorite verses to declare to someone who's a, a false Jehovah's Witness. I might be bumping into one of the Lord's lost sheep. Who knows? <laughs> and I tell them, if, if you're my brother <laughs> in Christ, you, you can say this with me. <laughs> Or if you're my sister in Christ, for that matter. It says here, For unto us a child is born. Remember that body was prepared in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Speaking about how he, he, the Lord Jesus Christ, is a real man. Unto us a son is given. Given, excuse me. Unto us a son is given. As the eternal son of God, he can't be born. He must be given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. He's sovereign. King of kings and Lord of lords. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. And somebody listening to you, well, hold up, what happened? The, the prophet was just talking about a child, a son. <laughs> and now he's talking about the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And lastly there, the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. And says there, in verse 7 of Isaiah chapter 9, of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with the justice from henceforth for, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. His name is Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And there is salvation in no other name but the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation in no other but our blessed Savior. Whatever the character of our circumstances or the, 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 the character of the circumstances of the day we find ourselves in, every believer is determined in his heart to honor, worship, and magnify our God and our Savior. For he is our King and he's called the King of Peace. And he is the king of righteousness. And the Father seeketh such to worship him. My friend, do you know how we worship him? Well, the essence of worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ is believing him. 
Remember, Abraham was strong in faith, saving faith we're talking about, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that all that God has promised, he's able to do it, being fully persuaded that he's able to perform all the things he's promised. And it says in this psalm, Psalm 145, we, we read our brother saying, Lord, I will extol thee. I will bless thy name. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. I will declare thy greatness. I will sing praises unto my God, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. And only a believer, blessed of God, is enabled to do this. Indeed, only those who know the Lord can praise his holy name. And his name declares who he is. Who is he? Beloved, he is the Lord, our provider. He is the Lord, our provision. He is the Lord, our perfect righteousness. What a great privilege we have of worshiping our God and being enabled to call upon his name. We're calling upon him who shall not fail. We're calling upon him in that whatsoever he does prospers. He's the king of salvation and he's my king. And he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You see, beloved, as David writes, he says there in Psalm 47, 7 to 8, I'll, I'll read this to you. Our God is the king of all the earth. And by his grace, beloved, we sing his praises with understanding. God reigneth over the heathen. God sitteth upon the throne of his holiness. And so, beloved, praise ye the Lord for who he is and all that he is. Back to our portion, verse 3. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. My friend, can you search it out? Can you understand the infinite God? Well, beloved, we know in part and we preach in part, you know, his greatness, his great love for his people. I mean, go ahead and take any attribute you want, any characteristic of God, and we only know it in part and we preach it in part. His love, His mercy, His grace, His truth, His greatness. All of His greatness is unsearchable, beloved. You see, I worship Him who is great because He is true, truly, the God who is God. You see, the greatness of our God is, is past finding out, beloved. L listen to what our brother writes in, in Romans chapter 11. He writes there in the... The last verse there, if I'm not mistaken, Romans chapter 11, verse, no, verse, verse, verse 33. It says there in Romans 11, verse 33, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. And then the Apostle Paul, when he spoke about preaching the gospel and being put into the ministry, he writes, I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me who am, who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And oh, how freely do those riches flow to his people at the preaching of Christ and Him crucified. So God is our great Lord, and because He is the great Lord, He is to be greatly honored, worshipped, and praised because of the greatness of the great and living God being so unsearchable. My friend, you can't understand all the infinite workings of His providence, His creation, His salvation. All we know is in part, and that by the revelation of God. But to know God fully as he is in all his character and his doing, well, it's, it's unsearchable. His salvation is a great salvation. His love is a great love to us. And it says here in verse 4 of Psalm 145, it says, One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. God raised up one generation one generation of God's elect called out of darkness into his marvelous light. One generation. One generation shall praise thy works to another generation of my heavenly Father and shall declare thy mighty acts. Just think of it, beloved. God, during the 19th century, 
He raised up some mighty gospel preachers in that, in that one generation. And what'd they do? They preached unto us the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And during the generation of the 20th century, he raised up some mighty gospel preachers in that day, just the same. And what'd they do? They preached unto us the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And bless his holy name, he's raising gospel preachers in our time, beloved, in this 21st century. One generation shall praise thy doing, thy works. And we see that that's speaking here of the working of the Lord. His works are unsearchable and they pray and, and his people praise the works of our Lord. One generation to another. The 19th century declare the mighty acts and the 20th century and the 21st century. So what did preachers of the past declare unto us? Beloved, they declared unto us the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God has raised up another generation. And now we're preaching to another generation of young people in our day. Again, verse 4. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. Just think of it, beloved, of just how many generations have passed since the resurrection of the Lord. And of how he's maintained the gospel witness in this world. And of how he has sent out gospel preachers in all the world, maintaining this truth and maintaining sure that the gospel testimony is declared. And beloved, as we declare the gospel, we declare his mighty acts, the, the acts of judgment and justice, the acts of mercy and grace, the acts of God's doing and salvation. And never forget it. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord has preserved his gospel message, his word from one generation to another. The Lord has been pleased to raise up a gospel witness and we declare his mighty works. I mean, I mean, just a, a quick aside. <laughs> Why do you think a father is looking for a Bible for his son right now? <laughs> we are testing, testifying to another generation, beloved. We do the same thing by God's grace, what Philip did, recorded for, for us in the book of Acts chapter 8. Remember that? Here's this... Uh, Man who's not born from above as yet. That Ethiopian man, remember? He went to Jerusalem. He got the scroll of Isaiah in his hand. And he's reading it on this majestic chariot. And the Spirit of God sent Philip to that man. And Philip asked him a simple question. Do you understand what you're reading? And, and as an unsaved man, he said, How can I unless a man show me? <laughs> and Philip, he wasn't going to be straightening out his theology. He was just going to start at that text, open his mouth, and preach to him, Jesus. How come? Well, Philip was sent to the Lord. <laughs> Philip knew what his Savior had said. John, the beloved apostle, records our words, Lord's, our, 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 our Lord's words. In John chapter 6, verse 45, our Lord said, As it is written in the prophets, they shall all be taught of God. And all who hear the Father and learn of him, come to me. And what happened after that? Immediately, there's the, our brother from Ethiopia going, hey, there's water over there. <laughs> it wasn't the minister pointing out, hey, we're going to have baptismals on Sunday. It was the Ethiopian eunuch who was saying to the minister, there's water. What hindereth me to be baptized? And Philip, that faithful minister sent of God, said simply this, if you believe with all your heart, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you may. I'm so thankful for that testimony, aren't you? <laughs> I don't see too many ministers up and down 59 preaching Jesus from the text. And so we preach from one generation to another. We want to see uh, our loved ones to know the Word of God, to understand it's one message. You know, don't take it for granted, beloved. How many people that go to a church, you ask them, do you, do you know what the one all-comprehensive subject of this book is? The one theme of the whole book, from Genesis to Revelation. What's, what's the all-encompassing subject? And people don't know the answer to that. But how is it that you know it, beloved? Is it because you're smarter than they are? You've been better taught? So you can look down your nose at other people? Not at all, beloved. By God's undeserved grace, you hear the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God 
blesses the preaching of the gospel so that you and I might hear the words of our Lord and God, Jesus Christ. And he said to those Pharisees, what a, what a moment, what a solemn moment. He said to them, you do not have God's word abiding in you. And you've not heard his voice nor seen his shape. You search the scriptures because in the scriptures you think you have eternal life. But these are they which testify of me. And you won't come to me that you might have life. I think from that recorded factual event, I think it's pretty clear that that those men at that time in front of the Lord were reprobate. They weren't sheep. They were goats. And the only reason why I know that this whole book is about him <laughs> is because I hear his voice. <laughs> um, I met a guy from uh, Cuba, a professed believer out in Florida, and I asked him, I said, do you know what the whole Bible is about? He said, it's about Christ. I was so delighted. I said, really? How, how do you know that? And he spent 20 minutes explaining it. <laughs> the Lord Jesus Christ says, except you be converted as like a child, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. We don't have to work all that hard, do we? Not at all. Why do you believe that? He said so. <laughs> and I believe him. And if you believe him this morning, uh, you couldn't do that in your natural state. You simply could not. You must be born from above to hear him, the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the scriptures. And the Lord has been pleased to raise up a gospel witness. And we declare his mighty acts in our homes. Right, Matt? In our homes, uh, in our communities, at our workplaces. You see, in false religion, they'll teach you that uh, witnessing is something that we do. No, beloved, it's something that we are. Um, I, I know what it's like, uh, I've said this to Levi, <laughs> I know what it's like to be an overzealous, uh, believer and you, you come to a church like this and you go, Hey, what's going on? There's nothing going on here. I said, do you have any idea what you're talking about? He is our glorious, majestic head and we are his body and he is using his body exactly as he sees fit. Isn't that wonderful to know? And then even to con contemplate the Lord's sovereign, um, um, successful accomplishment to his Father on our behalf, to know that the bride of Christ, that, that, that his, his, his invisible church is described as a bride. <laughs> and she's in heaven. And you know what? When she's, in, when she's all there, she's going to have all her fingers going to have all her toes. She's going to have all her teeth. There's not going to be one precious part of her missing. How can I say that with such authority and such force? You might mistake me as being somebody who's got authority. I don't. I have none. <laughs> I don't have any authority. But my Lord and God, Jesus Christ, said these words. And I'll repeat them again for you. Maybe this time the Lord will be pleased to bless it in power with his spirit and you won't hear me you'll hear him he tells us this is the father's will he who sent me that of all let me say that again all that he has given me I shall lose nothing but raise it up again in the last day <laughs> what a glorious savior now you might understand why all the shalls are there in Scripture. He's not trying to save everybody in this world. He's trying to save no one. How come? Because the Scriptures declare plainly and clearly that he came into this world to save only one kind of person. Sinners. Real sinners. Not those who pretend at it. Not those when you ask them, you know... You know, beloved, I, I, I put in my, my foot in my mouth is just like you do. <laughs> and I'll ask a man, I'll say, uh, sir, are you, you, you tell me you're my brother in Christ. That's wonderful. He's got a profession. Are you a sinner? Well, everybody's a sinner. Sir, I didn't ask you about everybody. I asked if you're a sinner. 
See, God's people, beloved by God's grace, we openly own and confess that immediately. And if somebody wants to press the point, are you evil? Are, are you kidding? Of course I know that. That's why I'm fleeing to his son for all my salvation. He's taught me in the light and the countenance of his well-pleasing son that, that from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet is all unacceptable to God. And there's only one man acceptable to God, and his name is Jesus Christ. And I want to be found in him. I don't want to be found in my life. I want to be found in his life. Turn to Psalm 92, if you would, please. Psalm 92, and look there with me, beginning in verse 4. This is... uh, Reminds of us this verse of Acts chapter 13, verse 48, does it not? It says there in Acts 13, verse 48, When the Gentiles heard this, when they heard the gospel of Christ and Him crucified, they were glad. <laughs> and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed the gospel. And in verse 4 here, it says, For thou, Lord, has made me glad through thy work. Through thy work I will triumph. Through I, I will triumph in the works of thy hands. And when we declare the gospel, we declare that God has, what God has done for us. Uh, look there, the same, same page roughly, uh, Psalm 92 verse 5. O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. And then Psalm 111, uh, 111, Psalm 111, we look there at verse 2, and it says there, The works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endureth forever. He hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He's gracious and full of compassion. His works of salvation and mercy, they're wonderful works. What great things hath God done for us, beloved? And then back in our portion, Psalm 145, verse 5. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works and of thy wondrous doings. What a wondrous thing. God speaks and sinners are saved. That is what the preaching of the gospel is all about, beloved. Declaring not what we must do for him, beloved, but what he has done for us. And we declare that. Look at uh, Psalm uh, 66. Psalm 66, verse 16. It says there, Come and hear. Come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. I'll declare what he has done for me. You see, salvation is what he's done for us, not what we do for him. I mean, can we add add anything to his greatness? Can we add anything to God's greatness, his majesty or his honor? Not at all. For salvation is by what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Verse 6, back in our portion. And men, and we could, we could, we could say here, and untaught men, uh, unbelievers, shall speak of the might of the terrible acts of God. But as for me, I will declare thy greatness. Now, untaught men, unbelievers, they talk about the terrible acts of God. I mean, you think about it. Even in the insurance industry, they have this thing in the insurance industry saying this this was an act of God when they speak about, you know, terrible things like floods and hurricanes or earthquakes or such things. And they always say this was an act of God. It's it's remarkable, isn't it? It's It's interesting that they acknowledge that God is God, that he can shake the earth, and untaught men talk about the terrible acts of God. However, believers rejoice in the greatness of God, who acts, indeed who acts, works, and orders all things together for the good of his people, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth and in the seas and all deep places. Is it not a marvel, beloved, how that the Lord can whip up a whirlwind 
and he'll have his way. His will will be done in the storm of that will work, that, that whirlwind. Do not rejoice in the fact that God can shake this whole earth and break it apart just by decreeing it to be so. Beloved, that's the great God we serve. He speaks and it's done. He commands and he stands fast all that he does. Now look at uh, verse 7. Verse 7. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness. They shall abundantly declare the memory of thy great mercy and shall sing of thy righteousness. And you know, memory can be a blessed thing, can it not? We shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness. Now, most of uh, the time uh, when you're talking to people, when they talk about precious memories, they think upon their childhood or things that happened in the past that were precious to them. Well, believers have a memory of God's great goodness to them, a memory of God's working mightily that they might find themselves by his grace and goodness to them, believing on his son. He's worked all things together for our good, beloved. We know that. It says there in God's word, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. My friend, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we rejoice in that verse, in the memory of his great goodness, how that God saves a vile, wretched, ungodly sinner like you, a sinner like me. And we have a memory of his great, great goodness. And oh, oh what great goodness it is, beloved. And we shall sing of thy righteousness. We shall sing of his righteousness, beloved. And believers delight in remembering the great goodness and great mercy of the Lord, for it's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. It's of the Lord's mercies, beloved, that we're not consumed. And believers also delight in his righteousness. Now, notice that word righteousness. It says there, we shall sing of thy righteousness. How come? Because, beloved, his righteousness is the only righteousness that's acceptable to God. And so I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. I mean, I'm not going to sing or make mention of my righteousness for, for me myself. I mean, at my best state, uh, any, any of us here in this auditorium, if you know yourself in truth, if you know yourself in the light of Christ, you know that you yourself at your best state is altogether vanity. You see, we are all, all of us, we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags and we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. God says of all creature righteousness, away with it. Take those filthy rags out of my sight. And so, beloved, I want to sing of his righteousness, don't you? I want to rejoice in the memory of his great righteousness that he established on the earth on behalf of his people. Now, this bears repeating. I want you to see this. I still remember the day my pastor preached from this psalm, and it stayed with me. Uh, turn to Psalm 71. Look what it says there. And, and this is about the righteousness we have in Christ, beloved. I want you to see this. I'll begin reading in verse 15. Psalm 71, verse 15. My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day. For I know not the numbers thereof. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. Verse 19. Thy righteousness also, O God, is very high, who has done great things. O God, who is like unto thee? And then verse 24, Psalm 71, verse 24. My tongue also shall talk of thy righteousness all the day long, for they are confounded, for they are brought unto shame that seek my hurt. And we're going to make mention of his righteousness, are we not? Not, not our own. Not our own. Oh, the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. 
Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Beloved, I'm going to make mention of his righteousness. I'm not going to talk about going about to establish a righteousness of my own. Oh, no. I'm going to make mention of the righteousness that he established for us, beloved, and the, the wonders of his great goodness. And therefore we sing about the Lord our righteousness. For the Father hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And that's a precious, precious memory. Indeed, that's the memory that we'll have forever, beloved. But the things of this earth are going to pass away. Be sure of it. So it's going to pass away. Verse, verse 8, back in our portion. The Lord, God our Savior, He is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. Beloved, of His fullness have we all received grace for grace. And He's full of compassion. He's full of love. God is love, and He loved us with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness does He draw us to Himself. He's full of love, full of compassion. He's full of righteousness, and He's also full of, of compassion towards His people. Beloved, nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is slow to anger. And you know what that is, beloved? That's, uh, that's his long-suffering. His long-suffering. He's slow to anger. Now, God's anger is holy anger. And his holy anger is stirred in activity against sin. God is full of compassion, but so too God must deal justly with the wicked. And he will. He is slow to anger and his long-suffering toward his people. You see, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness but is long-suffering to us-word. <laughs> to us-word, beloved. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And he's of great mercy. His mercies are great. And they're called here in the next verse, tender mercies. Tender mercies. That is, all of his... Is speaking about his tender mercies to all of his covenant children. Uh, look, look there with me in verse 9. The Lord is good to all, that is, to all of his covenant children, and his tender mercies are over all his works, works of creation, works of providence, works of salvation. Beloved, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Oh, the multitude of his tender mercies. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. All the multitude of his tender mercies toward us, beloved. Again, verse 8. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is gracious and full of tender mercies unto his people. Again, verse 9. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion over all things. Verse 10. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And all thy saints, all thy children shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power. Verse 12. To make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. And every believer is a saint. Did you know that? Every believer is a saint. Every believer has been set apart from eternity and sanctified in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're, we're sanctified in Him. And He's made unto us sanctification. He is our sanctification. And all His saints talk about the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. About the glory of His precious blood that bought His church. The glory of His power and His kingdom. And of His kingdom there shall be no end. An everlasting kingdom, and they shall speak of the glory of his kingdom. Remember, our Lord said, my kingdom is not of this world. You see, his kingdom is an eternal kingdom. It's an, it's an eternal spiritual kingdom. And the saints of God love to talk about the glory of the kingdom of the Lord. And they love to talk of his power. 
I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. The gospel came unto us not in word only, beloved, but in power, in power. And they shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom, and the saints of God speak of his power. Verse 12, And that to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. See, that's why we talk about the glory of his kingdom. Now, we don't know the, the, these things by nature, to be sure. We're, we, we don't know these things by nature. For man by nature doesn't know anything of the true and living God. But the Lord has and is pleased to, to, to raise up men and to teach them the gospel. Just like Philip, he was taught of the Lord. That man, Philip, it recorded in Acts chapter 8, was a man taught of God and sent of God. And in our time, state, beloved, he's pleased to raise up other men and teach them the gospel. And those sent men make known to the sons of men, it says right there in our portion, make known to the sons of men the gospel of Christ. You see, God has ordained the preaching of the gospel for the calling out of his people. Again, verse 12. To make known to the sons of men his mighty acts, his mighty deeds, his mighty works, and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. You see, salvation is an act and decree of God. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believe the gospel. Look at verse 13. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Where are the kingdoms of men that were established in ages past? You see that while the kingdoms of men come and go, you know, like a shadow on a wall, but the gospel, beloved, the kingdom of Christ shall never end, for it's an everlasting kingdom. And because he has an everlasting dominion, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. And it says there in Psalm 146, verse 10, The Lord shall reign forever, even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. We read in Psalm 72, Verse 7, it says there, In his days shall the righteous flourish, and abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea, and from the river unto the ends of the earth. His dominion is everlasting. Everlasting dominion. Back in our portion, Psalm 145, verse 14. The Lord upholdeth all that fall. The Lord upholdeth all that fall. And beloved, never forget it. He came to save the fallen, ruined sinners in Adam. And in Adam all died. In Christ all shall be made alive. And the Lord upholdeth all that fall. And raiseth up all those that be bowed down. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. And saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Those that be bowed down. Psalm 146, verse 8. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord upholdeth all that fall and raiseth up all that, that those that, are, that, that be bowed down. They're burdened down under the curse of the law. He's redeemed us from the curse of the law. Psalm 145, verse 15. The eyes of all wait upon thee. That is, the eyes of faith. Where do they look, beloved? The, the eyes of faith always and ever look to the exalted Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, the eyes of faith don't look within to our own heart. Don't look there. Rather, by God's grace, the eyes of faith look to Christ. They look outside of ourselves to him. We don't look for things for, for God to do in our flesh. We look away from our flesh and look what God did in the flesh of his son on our behalf. Our Lord said, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. The eyes of all wait upon thee and thou givest them their meat in due season. And the Lord does feed us, does he not? He's the bread of life and he feeds us with his truth. And the Lord does that with with open hand. Verse 16. Thou satisfieth the desire of every living thing. Believers are living in the Lord. We're one with him. Our God is not, you know, some some tight-fisted, 
stingy God. Not at all. He's, he's a God with open hand. And he freely gives and we're justified freely by his, by his grace. You see, God opens his hand and we're satisfied. The Lord is my shepherd. You remember the last part? I shall not want. Psalm 23, verse 1. And then it concludes there at the end. I love the, the ending of that psalm, don't you? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How come? <laughs> because the Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> I shall not want. I shall not want a pardon. I shall not want it for righteousness. I shall not want for one thing that God demands of me, because he's my all. He's performed all things well for us, beloved. And he supplies our every need according to his riches and glory. Verse 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. And here's an amazing thing of the gospel. How that God can be a just God and Savior. You see, his righteous and holy. That's right. God is righteous and holy in all his ways and all of his works. And yet he justifies the ungodly without marring his holiness. Not at the expense of his holy character, for he's a just God and Savior, and he's just and the justifier of him which believeth on his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 18, the Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him. Remember Romans chapter 10? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it says here, the Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him. And notice, to all that call upon him. In truth. In truth. In truth, calling upon the true and living God. It wouldn't do you any good to call upon the idols of men, now would it? But beloved, we call upon the Lord and we call upon Him in spirit and in the truth of the gospel. We call upon Him in the truth as it is in Jesus Christ, His Son. And verse 19, He will fulfill the desire of them that fear Him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. (laughs) Just stay there. (laughs) I just stand up and say, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one whom you're believing on undeservedly by God's grace, the one who does all things well, he will save them. Who? Well, we learn later on in the New Testament what God would have us to know. And he makes it known to us, beloved. Paul writes to young Timothy, a true and faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry. Lord, have mercy on me, the sinner. Have mercy on me. I'm uh, I'm afraid because I know you're a just God. Let me hide myself in your son. Let me hide myself in the cleft of the rock. And uh, you hide me. (laughs) I don't want anything to do with it. Just hide me. Hide me in your son. He hears sinners, beloved, and he answers their prayers, their their cries. Have mercy on me. Be propitious to me. Lord, be propitious to me. Let the the blood of your son be effectual to this sinner. Let, let, Let the blood of your son wash me. And that's half the gospel. Also, Father, make me his righteousness. <laughs> make me his righteousness. And you know, this is the thing, beloved. I've never read one time in Scripture where any sinner came to the Lord Jesus Christ seeking mercy and was turned away. Remember blind Bartholomew, uh, the the blind man? (laughs) Lord, have mercy. Or the leper who came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And he said, I will, be thou clean. My friend, the Lord Jesus Christ is open-handed. And he will hear the cry of sinners and save them. And he's able to save to the uttermost all that come to God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. And beloved, he will not only save them, but he will preserve all them that love him. 
And remember, beloved, we only love him because he first loved us. Because we never would have loved the Lord. We've never, we've never believed the gospel apart from him first loving us and calling us. You see, beloved, we're kept by the power of God. And he says, I will be their God and they shall be my people. The Lord preserveth all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy. God is merciful and God is also just. And he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, but he that believeth not. What does the word of God say? The wrath of God abides on him. God is merciful, my friend, but God is also just. Verse 21. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord. You see, the believer's mouth speaks out what's in his heart. And my mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord. And let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Uh, remember First uh, Corinthians chapter 16? I'll read it to you. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 22. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, if, if anyone love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be an anatha maranatha. Let him be accursed. Let him go to hell. When the Lord comes back, beloved, our desire is to praise him, is it not? My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. One blessed day, beloved, we shall see him face to face and make mention of his righteousness of his only. 